everybody. Greetings. It's truly wonderful to be with you. It's always wonderful to be in the best city in the world. <laughs> Being a solid Cambridge man, even though I wasn't a townie, I was only a gowny. <laughs> but it's great to be here, and it's great to see the presence of God amongst you and to witness it in your worship. And by the way, I think your worship group is great. Yeah. They're really good. Can I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are here by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here, that your Holy Spirit is supernaturally amongst us and that you plan to do great things even here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'd like to read by, begin by reading a short passage from the end of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughterer. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors <coughs> through him who loved us. I've been asked to speak this morning about the persecuted church. And that indeed is the church that I belong to. I am part of the persecuted church. But first and foremost, I am part of the church which is more than conquerors. Part of the church which knows the majesty, the triumph, and the glory of the risen Lord. Because despite all these things, we are, not maybe, we are more than conquerors. And to be more than conquerors means that we are part of victory. We are part of the supernatural. Much of my work, it originally started in Israel. It went on to Iraq. I was in Iraq for 19 years, on and off. And now it is mainly based in Jordan because our people had to flee for their lives. And they fled to Jordan. And we moved into Jordan with them. And we have a, sm a school, a clinic, and a dynamic community. For many years, I worked at reconciliation between Jews, Christians, Muslims, I worked at reconciliation with other churches 
In Iraq, we had the Chaldeans, the Manteans, the Presbyterians, the Pentecostals, the Assyrians, and we tried to work at reconciliation. With the Muslims and Christians, we succeeded. With the Christians, we failed. Have you ever tried to get different churches to work together? Does it work? It's hard. But there, it was only in persecution that people came together. The little children in our school, they had a meeting in their playground, and they decided that the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, the Catholics, the Pentecostals, the Anglicans were not going to be all those things anymore. They were just going to be Messihi, the followers of the Messiah. And all of us, I plead with you, we are all the followers of the Messiah together. And it's a very sad fact that all of these reconciliation efforts amongst Christians failed until persecution came. I have the persecuted people. You are involved with persecuted people. I beg you that my people will be part of your people. And together, we can be one for the sake of the kingdom of God. And Paul rightly says that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And we will be more than conquerors. We will be more than conquerors in our political situations. And in this country, heading up to an election, we're thinking about political situations. And to be honest with you, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest with you, can anybody sit here this morning and say, well, there is one way... The only way is the way of Jesus. And we pray that amongst all our political mess, the way of our Lord will prevail. The way of our Lord is bigger and better and greater and more powerful. I thank God that his way will win. We will continue in political mess, but Jesus isn't in political mess. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We say those words so many times. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But what does that mean? To be the way means he will show us where we should be going, even politically. He is the truth because he is the life. He is the one who breaks through death. We thank God that we are a people of victory. And it's all his victory. It is all the victory of the cross. Have you got my goodie bag? Oh, good. This is my goodie bag. I always have a goodie bag because it's a nice way. And unfortunately, the children aren't here anymore because I like to ask the children questions and they can get presents. Would you like a present, Pastor? 
Right. Well, I really come from Iraq. And Iraq was very central in the Bible. Where is the first time it's mentioned in the Bible? <laughs> well, let's begin with the question. And uh, Iraq isn't mentioned in the Bible by name, Iraq. What was it called? Babylon was one. you get the first prize. Mesopotamia, Genesis chapter 2. You see, God created Eden in the most beautiful place. There we are. You just press the nip and it goes down. So it was really good that God created the world in the Garden of Eden, and he did that in the best part of the world, which happened to be Mesopotamia. But the people of Mesopotamia, who first taught the... The first person in the Bible from Mesopotamia, where was he from? Oh, oh, uh, uh, the Chaldeans. So we all know that that was Abraham. Ibrahim, Abraham. And he took the message of God to the people who eventually got the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, and Moses was the founder of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people created Jesus, or God created Jesus from the lineage. Now, Iraq, is also the home of another country which some another place somebody has mentioned and it was the place where the miserable evangelist went by submarine <laughs> called Jonah <laughs> and where was his city Right, who gets a prize for Nineveh? Oh, there's one person there, right. Okay, come up. There we are, you get the second prize for Nineveh. Now, Nineveh just happens to be the capital of Christianity in Iraq. It was Nineveh that most of my people came from. And until ISIS came recently, all of Nineveh was Christian. Can you believe that in the heartland of Iraq, in Mosul, one city was Christian. And these Christians loved God so much. And to this day, they adore God. And their hero is Jonah. Because even Jonah may have been a miserable evangelist. He took the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, the word of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was taken by him, and it was maintained. So it's wonderful to see 
that even when somebody seems to be fairly negative to the word of God, if they keep close to the real God, things will change. And the person who got things to change, you might not believe this. Do you know who got Nineveh to become Christian? It was obviously after Jesus, and it was Thomas, Martoma as we call him. And in Iraq, central to people's faith is Jonah and Martoma. Thomas went from Jerusalem all the way up to Nineveh and then to India. Did you know that India had one of the first churches in the world? But Iraq was first. <laughs> and the other place, believe it or not, was Armenia. So it's wonderful to see that even in these so-called negative places, the gospel of our Lord God was made real. Amongst the persecuted church, as my young people in school, I have a school of young Iraqi refugee children, they knew that they know that we are one Messihi, one the followers of the Messiah. Our people have no status even in Jordan. They're not even recognized as refugees because the UN doesn't recognize them. Therefore, they get no food, no housing, no education, and our job is to provide them housing, education, food, and we love these people so much. I cannot tell you how much we love them, but I really feel that they love us more they love us more. I get the most hugs ever when I go to school. There's almost a fight, isn't there? And they not only want to go for a ride on the wheelchair, they want to all jump on me and take me over. And they do, and I love it. And I adore it. I've worked in other places as well. We've just come back from Singapore, which was one of the best places I've ever visited. We do a lot in California, in Bethel, and San Jose, and Santa Barbara, and all around that beautiful coast. I... I was with my colleagues, and they kept taking me to the ocean. And I didn't like the ocean much. But I hear today that it's been closed. The ocean in California has been closed because a sewage pipe burst, and 50,000 tons of sewage is there. So we're not there anymore. But the people are so lovely, are so gracious. And we have seen the love of God there. Now, it's wonderful that you're ministering here in the most important city in the world. Do you all know it's the most important? You do? Good. That's really good. 
Because God uses a place like this to stand with your neighbours. And I'm so pleased to hear of your support for the church in Uganda and Bulgaria. And Africa is another place that I've worked in much. I'm really, really pro-Nigerian. Any Nigerians here? Any Yoruba? Great. And I'm a bit of a... I know I say I'm a pro-Yoruba, but they're southerners. And I'm a northerner. I'm a Kaduna man. I'm a Hausa man. Because I work with Muslim Christian relations. But it's wonderful to be with you all and to know what you're doing and to know that God is here. And it's wonderful to know that you care about the persecuted church. Our people have nothing. And we give to them. Because they are supported not just by me, but by our fellow believers in the US and England. And our biggest partner, I gather you're also involved with, which is Bethel Church in Reading. And we've just come back from there. And it's a church of life and hope. And it's a church which shares its message and joy with all of us. Now, how many of you are from the university? Great. I won't ask what college. The best one. We are one. <laughs> and it's wonderful that even if you're a member of da da da, you're a member of the best. And God has really worked in Cambridge for many, many years. You look at the history of how evangelicalism really came through Cambridge. And I know today is quite sad in a way with the master of music from King's dying this week. But one of his predecessors was Charles Simeon. And Simeon was the founder of evangelicalism in the church in England. I don't mean the church of England, the church in England. And we give thanks to God for that. And you are part of the living church in England. It was obvious being here that you're part of the living church. And I thank God for you. And I thank God for your message which you take out from here to Trumpington and the surrounds. I can remember that in my student days, I used to have to cycle down to Trumpington for my most difficult supervision. It was always a very hard one. But it was a supervision with a lady called Professor Balka. And she taught me one of the most important lessons I learned from Cambridge. And that lesson was 
in your prayer every day. Don't just pray for peace and the nice things. Ask God for something. And when I used to go back the following week, Professor Balka would say to me, what did you ask God for? And when did you get it? All of us need to ask God for something every week. And we need to know when we got it. Amongst our children at school in Jordan, they all pray in Aramaic. But I had to say to them, you also need to pray individually and so they started praying and asking God for what they personally wanted and God started answering so for all of us all of us here today we ask and we will receive I think it would be good if we could just stop for one minute and all of us pray and ask God for something real and practical. Let us ask the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, Pastor, next week, ask your people what they asked for and when they got it. Because that's what I was always asked in Trumpington. So that's what they should be asked in Trumpington. What did you ask for and when did you get it? And the wonderful thing is that God always answers prayer. I have written about my story, and it was published this week. Five weeks ago. It was launched in Singapore but now it's launched in Cambridge. It's called A Year with Andrew White. And for the first time, I think, in England, we've got them available for sale this morning. For £15, you can buy A Year with Andrew White. Or for £10, you can buy My Whole Life Story. So both of them are here, so please do take them. Don't take them, but buy them. <laughs> because the money for them supports our people. Our people who have nothing are really helped by you buying these books. Now, I don't get all the money because I have to buy the books as well. But half of the money goes to our people. And we thank God for that. And I thank God that that's something we can all do this morning. I know you say that there are ways that we have had persecution here. But in reality... In England, we don't know what persecution is. We don't know what it is 
to have your children beheaded and burnt. We don't know what it is to be locked in cages and set on fire. We don't know what it is to have your child killed and your father buried underground alive. Thankfully, he was released three days later by some American soldiers. But you can imagine the pain and the tragedy of those people. And we will go back and be with those very people in a few days' time. And we will take them a symbol of the joy of Christmas that our people here have desired to share with them. When we work to set the captive free, we work also to set the community free in which we live. As we work for the persecuted, we work for the liberation of our own community. And that's one of the wonderful things, one of the wonderful ways that God supernaturally works. He is here. His spirit is with you. And he wants his glory to shine through this church. And it's quite well built, this school building, because his glory can shine through, can't it? And I pray that you may physically see the glory of Jesus, the glory of the Holy Spirit, shining in and through this church. Come, Lord, in your glory. Come radiate amongst us. Come set us on fire for Jesus. Lord, we are your channels. We are your means of glory and love, of vibrancy. May this church be set on fire for you. May people from all over this city be drawn to you. And I can see that this church is a place where people will find the Spirit of the living God. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come in your might and your power. May your glory flow through all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Now, are there any videos to show? Would you like to see some video? Yes. What video would you like to show, Dan? <laughs> You've got the video which shows so much of our people and the joy of our people. And as you see this video, these are all stories of people who have suffered but are full of joy and full of grace and full of the kingdom of God. They are some of the wonderful pictures of our wonderful people. And the thing which really stands out to me is the way that sign Nun, the Arabic sign for Nazarene, which was placed by ISIS all around the Christian homes in northern Iraq, so that everybody should be attacked by the people, or the Muslims would come against them. 
And we were at the graduation ceremony of our school a few months ago. And I couldn't understand why. All the children had a badge with the noon sign on. And I said to them, why have you got this sign? This was a sign of destruction and death meant for you. And they said, ah. But Jesus made it the sign of us triumphing. That they may have tried to destroy us. But look, we have all graduated from school. And we have shown that they may try and stop us. But with Jesus... Nothing will stop us. They may persecute us, but Jesus is the victory. So the non sign for us now is not a sign of defeat. It's a sign of life, victory, and resurrection. That is our story of the persecuted church. Yes, it has been terrible, but we are the winners. The non-sign is sign of the Nazarene. The Nazarene sign is a sign of victory, for our Jesus is alive. What time does your service finish? Have I got time for questions? Anybody have any questions? Yes. How do I personally cope? I cope only by Jesus. And there have been many times when I've just cried. And I can remember some terrible times when my children were killed and some of the other young people who lived with me, one of the children, no, two of the children were in the pictures. They came to me, they called me daddy and they said, Daddy, we had a dream last night and all the children that were killed were dancing in heaven with Jesus. And that dream really has kept me going more than anything, that I know our people are dancing in heaven with Jesus. How was I called to Iraq specifically? Well, God gave me the desire. And one of the things about calling is that God always gives you the love and the desire. And I I know it might be strange, but I had the love, the desire more than anything else to go to Iraq, and I didn't know why, but God did. And I can honestly say I loved it more than anything. Next question. Well, the direction was very intimate and direct, and on every situation, various things happened. And um, in this book, I speak of some of the ways that God directed me, and they were really quite bizarre, (laughs) really bizarre. But they were there. Um, I've got a new book coming out soon, or next year. From the War Zone to the Glory Zone. And one of our big stories was how I was physically guided by sheep. (laughs) And then I get my new assistant, who's a shepherd. And by angels. 
we had mega angels. Now, I've never had angels involved in my life like I had in Iraq. I think they were my extra security guards, and they were outstanding. People say, said to me, have you seen angels? We saw angels every day. Every day. Next one. <laughs> yes. Our people in Jordan are safe. In Iraq, things are a lot safer. So even though there are still problems, there is safety. They were big. <laughs> and they had wings. And they were white. And they were quite forceful-looking figures. I meant they were surrounded with white, white wings and things, but they weren't necessarily skin white. I'm not sure what they were. No, there is no way that people will move back. Things that were so difficult, most of them have had their homes, their offices, their businesses destroyed. And for them, it is all such a reminder of the terrible things that those who have left will not go back. Most of the people nowadays, they, some went to Canada, but now the only country which will take them is Australia. Britain didn't take one person apart from some Syrian Muslims. It's really terrible. I think, um, for me, the greatest protection story was when I was kidnapped and I was thrown in this dark black room and only after a few days did I realize there was a light on my Phone, and I saw that the floor was covered with chopped off fingers and toes. And the people who kidnapped me weren't very good at it. It was in two of four, so early days of kidnapping. And a pastor called Mahesh Shafta had given me a lot of money which I had in a money belt around my waist. How on earth you can be kidnapped for five, three days and still have $50,000 <laughs> cash on you. But I did. And that was a miracle. And in the end, it got me out. I have a huge desire to go back. And if it was right with God, I would. But I'm back with my people. In Jordan now, my people are the very people who were part of my congregation in Iraq. And now if I want to go and see them, I have to go to Canada and I hope soon. I will go to Australia and see some of the people who have gone there. Can't hear where it's coming from. Sorry. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, hi. Sorry, so um, you mentioned about reconciliation and how sometimes it worked, but sometimes it failed. How did you deal um, with the situations where they failed? Um, like in your relationship with God and where, you know, parties didn't want to know about reconciliation. How did you deal with that? Well, I've just had to believe that God would give me the strength to continue. <laughs> and it's a miracle, really. 
that I have had the strength by the Almighty to continue and to love doing it, despite whether I've had health problems or whatever. God has given me the strength, and the Holy Spirit has caused me to endure, and I've loved it. Andrew, um, when you are in the persecuted church so much, um, when you when you see the kind of comfortable church, do you get a sense of what God? I don't know what God would say, or or the difference. I guess when you go between one to the other, there must be quite a difference. And I just wonder if you have a sense of what God would say to to the comfortable church. I have a sense that God says to the comfortable church like us here is that I need you to be part of the persecuted church as well. And my people can only keep going because of you people. So I thank God for you that we are not two different churches. We are one church. We are one family. It is very difficult. One of the girls, um, Fiza, who was on that film, she was used as a sex, sex slave by ISIS for so many years. And now she's in Canada. And you saw the first picture of her and I together. And she looked so petrified and frightened. And the next picture of her with me was three days later. And she was in my arms and smiling. And they need love and care. And they need people to understand the pain and the trauma they've had. And love and care has been offered. We provide everything we can. And we can only do that because people here and around the world are helping us do it. And that is what keeps us going. Thank you very much. Uh, I only have one question. I would like to know, in the midst of all of this, what do you think? Is the Church of Jesus Christ ready for the rapture? Is it ready for? The rapture. The rapture. <laughs> well, I hope it will happen soon. And I'm not sure how ready it is. My young people in Iraq used to always come to me and say, Daddy, Daddy, Jesus said he was coming soon, and it's not been soon, has it? When's he coming? It's a long wait. Are we ready for the rapture? I hope we are, because it will come. It will come. And we just believe it will be soon and very soon. But some pretty awful things will happen before it. And are we ready? That's the question we all ask ourselves. Sorry? Right to Boris. There's a very good group called MMI, Military Ministry International. And this is led by some senior military people. The chief executive, General Roddy Porter, used to be my worship leader. He was chief of army staff in Iraq. All week, and on Saturdays, he played guitar in my church. 
but he now is heading up this international ministry. And I would really ask that you pray for groups like the Christian military bodies and pray for our politicians. Yeah, Military Ministry International. And they are trying to sort out a program whereby professionals, particularly Christian professionals, like our oral facial maxillal surgeon, who's just left in Jordan, can come here and work providing treatment for British people. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Canon Andrew. Should we, can we just pray? Father, can we just stand, please? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for what we've heard, Lord. Thank you for the work that's being done among these people. Thank you for the evident love that's being shown towards them, Lord. We bless you. Bless you for what we've heard. May we not forget. May we take it with us, Lord, and remember to pray. May we remember to give. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on Canon Andrew, Lord, and on the team that are with him, working with him, Lord, that you will put much into their hands, Lord, that they can give to others. May they be full so they can make full the people they work with. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Bless the word that's gone forth. Thank you. Thank you for all that's been said. Amen. Amen.